There's an old statement that really is helpful in thinking about our subject tonight. What is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. Years ago, a gospel preacher by the name of G.C. Brewer said that there's four reasons why people like to talk about the sin against the Holy Spirit or blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. He said the first one is fear. People are afraid that they may have committed blasphemy against the Spirit. The second one is they have some pet theory that they hope will be supported uh, by the teaching of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Maybe murder or suicide. Very common things that some brethren have believed through the years uh, which constitute blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And they do not. A third area. Some people have a desire to know what blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is so they can commit every sin but that one. And some people, Brother Brewer said, have an honest and sincere desire to find out what saith the Lord. And I hope that that is the vast majority of you this evening as we study the subject. When we talk about sin... There are only three possibilities regarding sin and forgiveness or pardon. Possibility number one, that sin has been pardoned, has been forgiven. 1 John 2 and verse 12 is a good example of this, where John says, I write because your sins are forgiven. There are many other passages which speak of sin being forgiven or pardoned. That is a great thought to consider. But here's a second possibility. Sometimes sin is not pardoned or forgiven because an individual has not acknowledged that before God. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So some sins have already been forgiven or pardoned by God, and if God has forgiven and pardoned us, we should forgive ourselves. But there is another type of sin that can be pardoned or forgiven, but we have to acknowledge or confess in light of 1 John 1, 9. Take the necessary measures to be right with God. That brings me to a third possibility. There is the unpardonable sin that the text, if you listened, said will not be forgiven. In this age or the age to come, there are three possibilities concerning sin. Now what I want to do briefly is talk about some sins against the Holy Spirit 
and then especially look at the sin against the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Everybody with me? Don't get too comfortable because I'm only going to go for a little while tonight. But there will be plenty of meat on the plate. Sins against the Holy Spirit. Because when you stop and really think about the subject, sins against the Spirit can be magnified leading to blasphemy against the Spirit. Sin number one. Open your Bibles to Ephesians 4 and verse 30. Ephesians 4 verse 30. In a very interesting passage, the Holy Spirit says through the Apostle Paul, Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Circle that word, grieve. It is possible for us to grieve the Spirit. To give the Holy Spirit grief, pain, or sorrow. I don't know why anyone would want to do that to the Spirit of God. But the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. The term is used of Simon Peter in John chapter 21 and verse 17. The same term that... When Jesus asked Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He was put to grief. He was really taken aback by all of this. It is possible by our actions, thoughts, and words to grieve the Spirit. Open your Bibles to a second passage. Acts chapter 7, verses 51 to 54. Acts 7, 51 through 54. In this passage, Stephen, shortly before he would die a martyr's death, says that you resist the Spirit. You stand against. You stand in opposition to the things of the Spirit of God. Remember, one of those present on that occasion was Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus, like others who were involved in persecuting the early church, were resisting the Spirit of God. Can the Spirit be resisted today? The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. Third, if you would open your Bibles to Hebrews 10 and verse 29. Hebrews 10 and verse 29. I like the way the English Standard puts this. Other translations say despising the Spirit or insulting the Spirit. The English Standard puts it causing outrage to the Spirit. Treating the Spirit and the will of God disdainfully, insultingly, to outrage the Spirit of God. 
I believe that whatever is involved in blasphemy against the Holy Spirit has to do with resisting the Spirit, outraging the Spirit, and grieving the Spirit to the highest degree. That brings me to a fourth sin against the Holy Spirit. Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5.19. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Quench not the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit can be quenched and the idea is snuffed out, extinguished, stifled, In our lives, the same expression is used of extinguishing the fiery darts of the devil in Ephesians 6 and verse 16. One, we want to do, extinguish his fiery darts, Satan. The other, we should never want to do, to quench the spirit As Christians, the Spirit indwells, Acts 5 and verse 32. As a seal, as a pledge from God, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Christians should so seek to honor and please and love the Lord that the Holy Spirit is a welcome guest in our hearts. Now... What is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? It's amazing how much ink has been spilled over the years regarding this issue. And in all of the Bible, the statement is found but three times. The first, Matthew 12, 31 and 32. Let me give you all three references. Matthew 12, 31 and 32. Second reference, Mark 3, verses 28 through 30. Third reference, Luke chapter 12 and verse 10. That is all the New Testament specifically says regarding blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now, it's called an eternal sin in Mark 3, 29... It's called blasphemy against the Spirit and blasphemy against the Holy Spirit in Matthew 12, 31 and 32. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 10. It is spoken of as a sin that will not be forgiven in this age or the age to come. Contextually, what we're talking about here is within the Jewish age when Jesus first said it and the age to come which would be the Christian era. So this is a sin which could conceivably have been committed in the Jewish era when Jesus first spoke it, the time of the Old Testament and Judaism, and the age to come, Christianity. It is a sin that can be committed by non-Christians, and I would say it's my judgment that it can be committed by Christians too. The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. 
Have you ever seen a Christian so harden their heart and sear their conscience and their very soul is antagonistic to God and all that He is and that He's about to such a degree that they cannot and will not ever return? I've seen that a few times and it's always heart-wrenching. Yes, Sin like this can be committed by a Christian, but let me stop for a moment. There are people that live in perpetual fear that they may have committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you in a nutshell what I believe is being referred to here. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit has to do with words, blasphemy, to speak against, against the Holy Spirit. If one so hardens their heart, sears their conscience, and stifles their soul against receiving the message of God through the Holy Spirit about the salvation that's in Christ, it's hopeless for them. Because when you allow the sun to harden your heart, you've not done what it was designed to do. Melt your heart. Now, practically speaking, if you think you have committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, if the thought has even been entered into your mind and you thought about whether you have That is not some sin that you have committed. There may be other sins that you need to acknowledge before God, but you have not committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit because a person who, if you notice the context most noticeably in Matthew 12, who is bordering on blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, they saw Jesus perform miracles. They didn't deny that He performed miracles. They didn't deny that he was doing good. They said he was doing what he did by the prince of demons. In other words, there's no reasoning because these people have their minds made up. They're hard and calloused and seared. Can a Christian get that way? I suspect so. But your presence here tonight says that you're not there. Let's go to God in prayer. God, help us to take sin, all sin, seriously. Help us not to be blinded and darkened in our hearts to sin. But when the light of the gospel shines, help our hearts to be melted by its power and help us to look to Jesus for forgiveness and pardon. God, help us not to allow the circumstances of life to so harden us and callous us and sear us that we become hardened and we put our own souls in jeopardy.
Help us not to resist the Spirit and His teaching. Help us not to quench the Spirit. Help us not, dear God, to outrage Your Spirit. And God, we pray that You help us not to grieve You or Your Spirit. Thank You for the provision You have made for our pardon and forgiveness in Jesus. Help all of us to be humbled by the greatness of that gift, the infinite cost of Jesus on the cross. And help us to respond to You with love and with obedience, knowing that You want us to be with You forever. In Christ's name, Amen. The lesson is yours, but the invitation is the Lord's. If you have not responded to Jesus in faith and repentance and baptism, no better time than now. If there is sin in your life that is hardening your heart against God or against your brother or sister in Christ, why not take that to the Lord and be pardoned and forgiven? And if you need our prayers as a congregation... How blessed and humbled we would be to pray on your behalf. Let us stand.